This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 33 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we have five-star eventer and OTTV lover, Lainey Ashker, joining us to tell you why thoroughbreds are her top choice. Tony Lang from Cashel Company tells us how to keep your ex-racer comfortable during fly season, and New Vocations brings us another fab training tip and another adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings of Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Girl, do you feel like you went from, I don't know, winter to summer and then kind of skipped the spring? I'm melting. Like- <laughs> I, I shouldn't have ever complained. <laughs> I know. I know. It was like, we had actually here in Oklahoma had a pretty nice spring. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, last time I talked to you, you were like, it's so cold. And now you're like, it's super hot. Horses are colicking. It's pretty terrible. I brought all mine in. They're all sitting under fans right now because they just could mm-hmm. not take it. It's just, uh, yeah, here it went from like perfect in 75 to it's 99 right now and humid. So I get it. It's that time of year where you have to focus in on keeping the horses. It's like the reverse of the blanketing. Now it's fly mask and fly boots and fly sheets and Absolutely. fans and icing and hosing. I don't understand what horses did before us. You know, how did they survive? I don't know how they did it either. It's pretty impressive because my horses, just when it started getting close to the 80s, they're like, oh, we're dying. We can't do this. And I'm like, one of them's 27. I'm like, you've been doing this almost 30 years, man. Like, come on, have a little bit of tough skin. Yeah, like you should know what's coming. This should not be a surprise. My one, one of mine is like, oh my God, there's bugs. I can't with the bugs. Yes. And the other one's oh. like, I'm sweating. Hello. Has anybody noticed I'm sweating? I can't take it. The other one's like, oh my God, stomp, 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 fly, stomp, stomp, stomp. And your shoe came off. Great. Mm-hmm. Oh, my barn manager called me because my lovely gelding has put a butt impress into his stall on the oh. wire because he's been rubbing his tail And I was like, I swear he doesn't have worms. I promise. It's just bugs. It's just sensitive. Uh, So one of my racehorses, his his name is Drax. And uh, that's what we call him. And he's funny. You know, I've had so many thoroughbreds that don't like being groomed. Mm -hmm. You know, you've experienced that where they're like, don't touch me. It hurts. Like, I'm too sensitive. This one, if you, you start grooming down his neck. And you mm-hmm. groom up right behind his ears and you go down to his shoulder and then you kind of get up like that wither area. And he's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It feels so good. And if you keep going backwards, he backs up with you. The whole time. Oh like, like, he's like, no, don't leave that. Don't leave that spot. I swear you could sit there and groom right at the top of his withers for 20 minutes. And he would just not care. But I'm like, I got to keep grooming you. I got to get the saddle area off and cleaned up. But no, he'll keep backing and backing and backing. If you walk forward, he walks forward just to put your hand 
in the exact perfect oh, spot. Oh man, talk about really- desperation. I mean, I, you know, everyone watches Heartland, I'm assuming from our listeners. I see it in the auditor page all the time. And you're like, I want that special bond. I want my horse to run up to me in the pasture. No, you don't. No, you don't <laughs> want that. Because I have four of those monsters who are like, oh, the scratching hands are back. Mom's so when here. I come in the pasture, they run up and press their hot, sweaty, sticky, bug-covered bodies against me. Like, <laughs> rub me, mom. And I'm like, I'm dying. I'm going to die like those murder hornets who are covered in bees. I'm like, this is how it happens. This is awful. Well, Ugh. good news is we are going to talk to Tony from the Cashel Company and uh, talk a little bit about their uh, mm-hmm. products that they have to save our animals from these horrible UV rays and also bugs. Oh, my God, the poor thing. So we're going to do that. But let's first hear from our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. 
Well, not that she needs any introduction, but I'll go ahead and give one. Lainey Ashker is a Rolex goddess, now Land Rover goddess, you know, and also you have your gold medal in dressage. It, you're you're an equestrian through and through and also an off the track thoroughbred lover. Lainey Ashker, how you doing, girl? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having us. You know, I, I contacted you because i I, I forgot just how involved you were with OTTBs, uh, especially. Tell us a little bit about Anthony Patch. It w- w- I would assume he's your most kind of memorable OTTB, your most special. Well, you know, it's hard to it's hard to really put. Uh, I mean, he's my most recently special one. I mean, they've all all of my horses that have taken me to the top level that ha- have happened to be off the track thoroughbreds have really, you know, in bays in the you know, a special memory to me and they've all been, gosh, they've just been all amazing horses and and they've really taught me so much in my lifetime. Um, most, most of, most of which has been humility. (laughs) Um, but Al, Al has been really special. The story of Al and I has been, um, I think what has brought a lot of my fan base together because, you know, Al was a sort of a second chance kind of horse. And, um, you know, gosh, if I would have, have had the opportunity to take on Al now, you know, I might've not taken that on because he was a little bit of a dangerous horse. Uh, wasn't the most sane horse. Um, and at the time it was, time was right. You know, um, when I, when I had the opportunity to take him on when he was a four-year-old, um, rising five-year-old and I was, you know, I was going into college and I was young and hungry and, you know, I could fall and break and it was okay. And now I've, I've fallen and I've broken a lot and I, you know, I can, I can still fall and break and bounce the best of them, but it, you know, it, it, it puts me out a little bit longer than I used to when I was 18 years old. Girl, um, we all and- have learned that lesson. <laughs> it is so true. It's like, I don't know what, yeah. I think the ground gets harder as you get older. You know, what's funny is, um, and I've never, never broke a bone or got hurt on Al, which is really funny. <laughs> That's the, and he was probably my hardest, my most difficult horse, uh, to, to get to know and, um, to deal with on the ground, especially. Um, but he was just so nuts. I, when I went to go, when I went to go see him, the Jadens, Lauren and Paul Jaden were known for finding horses for some of the top riders and especially thoroughbreds. They had a really good eye. My mom is the one that sources all my horses, but the Jadens had called me cause they had this one that was a really troublesome horse. Um, and they wouldn't even get on to show him to me they would only show him on the lunge and while they were lunging him he had proceeded to lose two shoes on the lunge line <laughs> and um and so i was like oh well why not i'll get on him that's a great idea um and he was throwing and then you know I, I tried him and i loved him and, he, and then when he was in the stall my mom was writing a check which the check number was 666 <laughs> uh, i'm not you know the most religious person but you know you're kind of going okay this is not good um and, you know, I think he was like, I think he was anywhere, I think it was 2000 or 2500. We made the check and they're like, just take him. And we said, we want a, you know, a three week trial or a couple of weeks trial on him. And, um, he would proceed to throw himself down as, as I figured out now, this is a temper tantrum that he does. So God forbid the horse ever colic. He is yet to colic still this day. And I've had him, he's now 21 years old. So I've had him for a very long time. Um, and figured out when we got home, you know, I thought I was this horse whisperer, but it, I, no, it, I wasn't a horse whisperer. He was just deathly afraid of cattle. And it, it took me a long time to discover that. Um, and the Jadens were surrounded by cattle. 
Um, and I finally, you know, a couple of years down the road, I said to them, you know, um, probably if he were probably in a different environment, he might've guys probably would have gotten a lot more money for him. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, so Al never goes around cattle. We never take him around cattle. If there's any, like he's got a cow dar on him with like the best of them. He knows <laughs> he can see, smell, sense, hear, feel anything. He knows where cows are. So, and he just doesn't go around them. But uh, wow. yeah, he's, he's an amazing horse and he's given me so much and he's still, you know, I, I will give lessons on him and um, I'm really the only one that hacks him because he's, uh, he's definitely my guy. And um, I, I just, I love that horse with my whole heart and soul. I mean, you guys competed in, I believe it was six, four stars. So as difficult. And, and isn't that true when you see that crazy thing looking back now, you're like, what were you thinking? And you're like, I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, this is a great idea. You know? Yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think that's what, you know, I would always, it would boggle my mind because we, you know, we had some really great outings at the top level and he certainly taught me how to win, which was really amazing from the beginning because he was such an amazing dressage horse and just a great finisher as well. Um, but what was really interesting was I, I couldn't ever put my foot on initially why my lines, my autograph lines would be so uh, much longer than like, let's say the winner, uh, like Mikael Young. And I'd be like, guys, you don't want my autograph. I'm the, you want his autograph. But it finally dawned on me that I think, um, you know, the whole American dream of people coming from nothing um, and making something, you know, it's kind of like the, the kind of American thoroughbred kind of thing. And it's, and I think that's what was really neat. And I think people could really identify with that with, you know, anybody can get a horse off the track. Um, and I think everybody could identify with the fact that, Hey, this girl doesn't have this imported horse. She got this horse for, you know, I think it was $2,500. That's something that I can afford. You know, they, they came up the levels together. Sure. They had setbacks, you know, it took me three, three attempts at the two star now three star level to get a qualifying score on him because I kept getting run outs at corners, you know, so it wasn't the easiest road. Um, But look at, she's made it so I can do that too. And so I, I think that's what, what really sort of kind of got to people pull on people's heartstrings and why people, started to follow us um, because I think people could identify with that. And, and that, and if that's sort of what got people more into the thoroughbreds, well, heck that's, that's, that's awesome. And I'm, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad for it because they really are an amazing breed and they can, they can compete with the, with the warm bloods and the European horses. They re- and it's no, it's no disrespect for the European horses at all, but but the American horses are, are amazing horses and I, and I love them and they have the heart and they, and they are out there and they can be amazing world contenders. They absolutely can be. It's just absolutely awesome to hear you talk about that because you're right. It is, uh, you kind of started from scratch and it is the story that if people put their, it's gotta be a movie Lainey. Oh my God. Like you scratched your way <laughs> up, you made it, you did it all with this horse that nobody would ride and you saved the farm. I don't know if that happened, but it sounds really good. Um, that's yeah. so, so cool. But, but also I do think a, a big part of your success, if you, y'all don't follow Lainey, on social media, you are missing out. I mean, how much fun did we have a Rolex putting a slice of bread into a toaster and oh out gosh, pops your fun. face? <laughs> it was really fun. It was a good, it was a good time. It was definitely different. <laughs> 
It's true. Now you, (laughs) you also work with another friend of the show, Elisa Wallace. Y'all spend some time together working uh, with some horses as well. Absolutely. She's a, she is uh, one of my best friends um, and someone who I highly respect. And she has a very different approach on things. I, I, I think of her as a cowgirl. um, And I mean that in the most respectful way possible because I, I don't, have that approach on things. But I also think the cowboy way is, and a lot of times, a very right way to do things. It's a very natural way of doing things um, and bringing the horse back to his natural habitat and, and, and um, understanding the horse maybe on his level as opposed to, you know, a, tra- a training way of doing things. Um, and so there's a lot of times when I'm having issues and I call her. Um, and, I, and that's what I love so much about the sport, the eventing sport is, you know, professionals, talk to professionals and everybody's so cool about sharing their thoughts on things. And, um, and, and, you know, I'm happy I go with, I've gone with Elisa to help her. Um, and or it, look, she knows how to ride. Her riding speaks for itself. Um, she's a rider, but be there for moral support and, you know, just with her dad, along with her dad, Rick and, um, you know, just in her, in her coach, Karen, um, just being there for moral support and letting her know that she can do it. And I know the horse, I know her, her thoroughbred, Simply Price is Johnny. I've known him since he came out with uh, Simone Khan, who brought him out from Australia. Um, I've known his story when, he, literally, when he first came out and he was starting at training and prelim level. So um, I've known both of them since the beginning of time. I feel like so it's been fun to follow their journey, and she's done such an amazing job with the horse. and And I just think she's the most amazing person for doing what she does with these mustangs, and. Um, and the patience she has and the, I, the approaches she has on things are just are unbelievable. And it's really fun to watch her work at Liberty with the horses. And she takes that approach onto, onto her, onto her thoroughbreds. And she's got one thoroughbred that she, she called me and asked me about one day. And, and she said, Oh, you know, what? I forgot. I didn't warm him up bareback. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I would never do that, but that's okay. That's <laughs> awesome. You know, like, I'm sure nobody else would also do that, but that's, that's what she does. And that's, that's, that's the thing that she does. That's, and I think that's absolutely amazing. And I, and that's why that's what makes her successful. Well, you know, well we she thinks outside the box. Yeah. And she does. She has been very successful. We have seen a lot of her. We are also partners with the retired racehorse project. Any chance of you making your way over there and competing? You know, I, I, well, I did, I did on my, on my current horse that I have, Patrick, I did that a couple, gosh, it, well, that would have been three years ago now. Oh. Um, and so he's a graduate from the program. He finished fourth place there, I believe. And then I, and then I have it because I'm, I'm sad to say that it, at Devin, um, it's a big dressage show has sort of taken over and it's always over the same weekend. So I, you know, that's where it's been really hard to balance. Um, and I shouldn't say it's hard, but that's where I have to sort of pick and choose, um, which mm-hmm. when, you know, and so I have my big fall three days, you know, for the eventing. And then I have my big fall CDIs for the dressage world. And Devin always falls over the retired resource project. And so, and I've been very fortunate for the past, you know, three years to have had these dress, pure dressage horses. Um, I've got an amazing owner in Ann Wilson, um, Laura Pozolska. I've had some great owners um, that have really brought me into this pure world of dressage that have really helped me with my thoroughbreds in the eventing world. And that's a, that's a weekend that you can't miss out on. Um, mm-hmm. And so the balance is there. And, and eventually I'd like to come back 
you know, if, if, if there's an odd, odd year that I don't have a horse to, to, to go to Devon. Um, but I still am very much advocating. I have, um, I have, let's see, four eventing horses right now, and every single one of them is a thoroughbred. And I'm oh, very, very proud of it. And every single one of them are completely different shapes, completely different sizes. I mean, it's so cool to see the, the, the variety in the, in the breed and, um, and of the horses. And, it's, and I love going back to the lineage. And, you know, I've got one horse that's just a freak of nature um, behind my Patrick horse. His name is Legend of Toro, and he's owned by Chelsea Spear. And he's a storm cat. And I've had a couple of storm cats before and they're very much these sort of, um, these introverted horses. Um, and, and the last couple of storm cats I've had were also extremely great, amazing athletes over the fences, but they're, they're very sensitive and they're very difficult in the flat because of that sensitivity. And this guy is the same exact way, but I, I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage because I've had these guys before. So mm-hmm. I always am interested in their breeding. Um, just like a lot of the Europeans are interested in their horses breeding, I'm trying to get people more interested in how these horses are bred, even though they are bred for a race, the racing sport. Well, let's, let's get interested in how these horses were bred, you know, for the eventing sport, even though they were bred for originally for the racing, let's see how this can work to our advantage for the eventing as well. Absolutely. Before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is some advice maybe that you would give somebody who just got their first, you know, you've, you've seen the, the struggles and you've had some really difficult horses. You've seen Elisa go through some really difficult horses. And then from what I've seen on your Facebook page, you have some super awesome freaks of nature that are killing it right now. And they're right at the beginning. Yeah. So what, what would you, since you've seen it all at this point, what would advice would you give somebody who just got a horse off the track? Well, the, the key things, I'm going to take some advice from my mom. I'm going to take advice from my dressage trainer. I'm going to take a bunch of advice. I'm going to kind of put it together. The biggest thing, first and foremost, is patience. Um, everybody gets these guys off the track, and um, they want to immediately put them into a frame, immediately put them into, you know, into full work. And the horses need this. They need time to be a horse, kind of relax their brain, um, but then you can't just turn them out for a field for two years and expect them to come back either. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a right amount of time and a wrong amount of time. And, I, and it's not to say get them off the track and like I said, turn them out for two years, but get them off the track and trail ride, you know, loose ring snaffle, completely throw away any contraption, no draw reins, no side reins, just let them be a horse, you know, trail riding, teach them what the seat is because they're not going to know what the seat is. Teach them what the leg is because they're not going to know what the leg is. They're only going to know that when you pull back, that means not to slow down, but to go faster to lean on your hand, right? So you have to completely retrain that whole, a whole different skill set to them because they're only going to know one thing and that's, that's to go forward, to go fast. Um, and that's to be, to lean on the hand and, and to be patient with them because horses are genuinely really inherently kind creatures and they want to do right by you. Um, and, and a lot of people I feel want, want, want that fast and want that quickly. And, and I'm, I was the same way. I was guilty of that when I was younger, but I've been thrown on the ground enough and I've been humbled <laughs> now to learn that to take a deep breath. And, um, sometimes if it's not going right, it's best to just put the horse away and come back another time, maybe the next day and try it again. Um, but, but I see far too often really good horses off the track putting really big bits really too soon. People ride with spurs, 
way, way, way prematurely. Um, put horses put in contraptions, gogs, and these horses have no idea what the leg and what the seat is. So, so you're you're creating confusion in a nervous horse, and that's why people. That's why they get the bad a bad rap. Why oh, off the track, everybody must be crazy. No, 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 they're not crazy. It's just because they've been in they've been in bad hands. They're, and that's they're what I find too, Lainey, is that when horses come off the track, people go, Oh, it's been ridden. Let's ride it. And I, I I've ha- right. so often have to tell them, no, you, they don't know what anything means. They don't know what you right. sitting on their back. You don't know what their, your leg wrapped around yeah. them and what this bit thing is yeah. in their mouth, you know? So you do, you have a to restart leg. all of yeah. yeah the actual leg touching their side. Mm-hmm. It's really a strange right. concept. So do, yeah. Right don't go out there and just ride the horse. You've got to do exactly what you said. Um, where can people find you on all of your social media things? Because Lainey not only is super fun, uh, to listen to and talk to she's also really beautiful and posts the most amazing pictures and videos and you're an animal lover and it's fun to watch and follow you. So where can people find you on social media? Oh, I'm easy to find. I'm on Instagram. My handle is Lainey EA, which is my name. L A I N E Y E A. And then I'm on, I've got a Lane, Lane Asker eventing and dressage fan page on Facebook. I've got Twitter, which is L E A or L E Asker. And then I've got, um, you know, obviously friend me on Facebook. Um, I'm kind of out, I'm all out, I'm all over, but Instagram, <laughs> I'm really consistently, I'm on Snapchat. I, yeah. I'm kind of on everything and I try to keep everything pretty updated. And I, and I do, I have someone that helps me run my stories um, when, when it's to keep my sponsors happy, cause listen, my sponsors, I couldn't do any of this without my sponsors because, uh, yeah, I need my tech. I need to keep my horses happy. I mean, my sponsors are amazing. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to authenticity of the posting, it's me doing all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So people know I, I, it was really important when I, when I hired a, a social media person, I said, look at, I need your help to post promotions for my sponsors to keep my sponsors happy because I, that is really important to me. And I was a little overwhelmed, but when it comes to the actual posts on my page, putting my grid of the days up, it has to be in my own words. That's it's really important to me that I run my own pages because um, people will know if it's not me or not. And, um, and so if anybody has questions, I'm really easy to get a hold of. My phone number is on my website, laneashkareventing.com. Um, I'm, shoot me a text, shoot me an email. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very easy to get a hold of and, and I quite enjoy helping people out and, um, especially with their thoroughbreds, a lot of people send me videos and, um, I like to help them piecemeal apart their problems and help problem solve and, and go from there. Awesome. Lainey, thank you so much for being on and, uh, we will, hopefully you don't mind coming back on again and updating us every once in a while, if that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. So we're bringing you a special treat on today's episode. It's not often that we get to have one of our sponsors come on for our show. And it's a name that everyone knows and loves, keeps in your barn, keeps your horses safe. We have Tony Lang from Cashel Company with us today. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, thanks for being a sponsor for the show and thanks for creating amazing products. Seriously, with summer coming on, my horses have already started to get the gnat itches and scratching out their hair. So I'm, I'm so grateful for the products that you guys create over at Cashel. Uh, for those who don't know about Cashel, give us like the quick 
high-level overview about how your company got started. Uh, we we joined that we we acquired the Cashel Company in 2005 October. When we did, Equibrand Group <coughs> approached me to see if I'd be interested in taking on the project. So I agreed. We purchased the company, and at the time, they had a few little, uh, a few foam saddle pads, uh, a fly mask, mm-hmm. and a quiet ride mask. From then, we we got our feet on the ground, understood the manufacturing process. All products were made in the USA, and um, then looked at the gaps that that were there and began developing products that would help fill those gaps and service our customers' needs. Well, you guys sure have. That's, uh, I mean, y'all have done such an amazing job. If the name Cashel is on it, it's, and again, we're not going to advertise products that we don't believe in here on our, our retired racehorse. And so this is something that we all use here on the show. Like I would not be able to survive, not me, but my poor little paint horse and my little Mustang who both have bald faces, the crusader pasture long nose fly mask with the ears oh my gosh that just saves their life from getting them sunburned all the time and then of course the fly boots are awesome and everything you guys make is such a great thing if you guys see the word cashel on the item you will know it's a good one another item that we're gaining notoriety for is um our our mini mule mini donkey and in large draft uh, donkey uh, mule product. It's a long ear uh, mask, and it goes from an 8-inch ear to a 15-inch ear. And the, 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 the donkey mule people have been, um, that, that audience continues to grow annually, and and we go from the little minis all the way to the big boys. Then. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you guys do a little bit of everything. If people want to go on and see exactly what y'all make, I mean, from like be- beaded bridles to mm-hmm. fly mask to the sheets to Don't everything. forget the riding gear as well to cover your horse over on the trails and keep oh, them yeah. safe and focused. Oh, I use that for my thoroughbred every single time. Yeah, it's great. Just go to cashelcompany.com. And uh, Tony, we really appreciate you being a sponsor. We couldn't do it without you. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Bates Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a Bates saddle. Visit BatesSaddles.com to find out more. That's BatesSaddles.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the new vocations, Winner's Circle, Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, it's that special time of a show where we bring on our update and training tip from Leandra, and she's also going to bring us our new vocations winner's circle, Adoptable Horse of the Week, with a special extra treat because Glenn is joining us for this interview. Welcome, Leandra. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. We're, we love doing this. Can you believe we're 33 episodes in to this? I can't even believe it. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, and you guys have had some amazing adoption rates, especially recently with everything. Where are you guys at right now? So this has totally blown our minds and is not something we anticipated in the least, but in April, we had 60 adoptions, which was record-breaking for us, and that's mm-hmm. 60 between all our facilities. But in May, we actually had 63, so it's not slowing down and continues to impress us day by day. The demand for horses is high, and we are, are just tickled to be the choice of many of these people who are mm-hmm. looking for horses in these times to continue to put their trust in us, especially when we haven't been able to host appointments the same sort of way in person. So it's really something else. Now, I, when we start, you know, obviously when this all started a couple of months ago, we were expecting it to be the exact opposite of that. And I know all of you guys were too, all of the adoption agencies. What are you hearing from people? Why is it the exact opposite of what we thought it would be? Well, it's interesting. We actually sent out a survey because we have the same sort of question. So rather than hypothesizing, we surveyed the people who had adopted from us and asked them what was going on that made them decide to adopt. And we were really shocked by the results. So we had an 80% response rate, which is pretty outstanding for any surveys, for anyone who knows uh, or has done a survey. Yeah, usually, usually get, get 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Maybe yeah. 10%. <laughs> So we had 80%. So we we actually got a pretty good canvas of the people who had adopted. And most of them were saying that it didn't have so much to do with a stimulus check. It didn't have so much to do with having mm-hmm. extra time. But they just said it was the right moment and they saw the right horses. And but so that was interesting to us because we were kind of beside ourselves in, in that answer. Like, how could that possibly be? But what they said was that because we have been so active with doing videos every day, we do meet and greets that are a virtual video. So a video that we take on our Facebook Live, so they have a virtual experience of meeting the horse, and we try to kind of simulate what adopters might have if they were able to come to the barn. But this meant that people who were even thinking about adopting had that same experience and could could experience the horses up close and personal, see them in the flesh, uh, you know, through a screen, obviously, but be able to have a little bit of the experience that they might not otherwise have, which was really neat. And they just, I think it fostered a sense of trust in our ability to match them even from a distance. And it just started this ball rolling. So it's been fantastic we have more applications coming in to be approved as an adopter than we ever have before. So we're just totally overwhelmed in the best sense of the word in all of this response. And like you mentioned, nothing that we ever could have anticipated, but we welcome it with open arms and it's it's been something else. They don't need us That's... anymore. Uh, well, uh, thanks, Leandra. I know. It's been nice having you on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. <laughs> We tried our best. No, and that just proves that real happiness doesn't come in money or going out to eat or gross. It comes from horses. Horses oh, yeah. are real happiness. <laughs> and therapy. I think that oh, it should not so be. True. So true. So <laughs> true. So my question, when you're starting training your horses, how do you like to encourage them to 
find balance on the bit as we often hear or kind of learn. I like to call it more learning how to use their legs under them for self-carriage. Yep. But what are well, some of your tips a, for that? That's a great point that you just made there is that the bit contact people tend to focus a little bit too much on the mouth, I think. And so for what we do, the, that the mouth is just the cherry on top. So that's kind of like a uh, if everything else is going well, you're going to get that result. But sometimes people start at the mouth and try to work backwards. And I think that's where you run into issues. So as a resource, a lot of the horses are really leaning into their front ends. Of course, they have to have that takeoff power from the hind, but they're really leaning into their front end and are taught to even sort of lean into the bit and to get that uh, lead even like through the finish line, obviously you want to tip your nose out. So there, there's a totally different message that we're trying to communicate, which is that you don't need to poke your nose out. Um, obviously we don't want them to evade the bit above or below the bit. So we're asking for that perfect Goldilocks moment, but that is only a product of, like you said, finding out where their legs are and being able to ut- utilize the rest of the system uh, in a way that's conducive so that they can come off of that crutch and not lean into their rider's hand and not um, try to push all their weight through the front end. So first and foremost, I think a lot of people are actually surprised to hear that we only use really simple snaffles. And by that, I mean, we're using loose rings with a rounded joint in the middle or a D ring bit primarily. we almost exclusively use those bits. So it's, it's not, we're not complicating things. We're keeping it as simple as possible. I'm also not a big advocate of using martingales at this stage, because for me, I like to have a really clear sense of communication. And sometimes these horses, because they are used to leaning on the front end, they can sometimes lean a little bit and use the, a martingale or other tools as a crutch. So we want to take that away and really see where we stand when it's stripped down to the basics. And from there, again, we're going to focus on the rest of the system instead of just the mouth, because that's going to be the secondary benefit of getting the rest of it together. And we're going to ask the horse to try to bridge the gap of understanding between moving forward um, in the way that they know in just speed and sort of going straight and then moving forward in a way that sort of cycles back, recycling the energy back in the system. So they're not just pushing forward, but able to collect back and have that adjustability. So they have to understand that connection of uh, the forward movement. So you're asking them to use that engine from behind, but then also you have them, you're asking them not to just shoot that energy forward, but also to be able to bring it back so you have it centered at you. And that's where you get the contact. So bridging that gap can be difficult, especially with a young horse who's green and everything they've known is being flipped on its head because you're in a sense asking them to go forward from behind and then asking them to kind of bring that energy back or like, you, you know, in a sense, go backwards with the energy because you are using your hand to prevent like with the bit, using that as a tool to prevent them from just running through with it. So it, that concept is, is the thing that becomes the hard thing to gap. And once you get that, a lot of it gets a lot easier. So what we do to work on that is a lot of transitions. 
So first and foremost, you want, you want to have breaks. It's very important in any mm-hmm. working relationship with a horse to have breaks just in general, but even getting them to stop and take even the slightest bit of a backup step um, is going to teach them that, you know, it's very simple bit pressure. And in, when they have the slightest give, you're going to give back to them. But um, again, like the biggest component of this is you're going to use as little pressure as possible to elicit that response. And you just have to be super patient. So applying a little leg aid, but closing your hand and asking them to come back and even squeezing the reins like you would a sponge and applying pressure, having a little bit of release moment without giving the rein completely. And just having that like slightest moment. I know you know what I mean when mm-hmm. you say you feel just like the little shift of energy and they don't even have to take a full step back, but you're going to work with just that baby step and build on that. And if they get a great, give them a release, you know, walk, walk forward so that they don't get too frustrated with just that one exercise but incorporate that into your routine and then do other transitions like walk to trot, trot to walk. All of those things are going to engage all the other parts, but while at the same time teaching in an almost subconscious sort of way, that concept of bringing the energy back and then bringing it forward. And I really like to, when you get the horse to have that little bit of give moment where they're stepping back and that even the preliminary steps of getting them to actually back up is to then ask them for a very forward movement and kind of like shoot out from the go. Cause one, a lot of them know that like, that's a simple thing for them, but it also really makes them use their bum. So you're, you're using almost like double time, um, super strength training while you're teaching the concept. So it's, it's sort of fun. It really teaches them to engage their hind end and that all together is going to teach them, you know, eventually with patience and, persistence to bring that energy full circle and hopefully get you to the point where having them on the bit in a true sense of contact and not just mechanically keeping their head down, you're going to get there. It just takes a little bit of time, but those are the pieces that you kind of need to get to that point. I love it. Setting the foundations for success right there. It always goes back to transitions, doesn't it? Always. So it's such a great thing to practice. And speaking of horses with nice self-carriage. Let's talk about our horse of the week, Discreet Fantasy. Yes. He has a very scandalous name and uh, <laughs> you could really come up with quite quite any barn name that would be in that same sense of risque, but we call him Steven. Oh, uh, I had better bad. ones than that. I... <laughs> <laughs> so Steve or Steven. I call him Steven because it has that, you know, he's a very formal guy. Uh, but okay, but I'm, I'm I mean, speculating wanna... about the owners who named him and what that was all about. <laughs> <laughs> Usually there's hidden meanings oh. in all of these names they give their horses. It's like, hmm. well, I, yes, I'm very curious about that too, but his dad is discreet cat. So we definitely get that side. Uh, okay. But here's the part that I would question more. So his, his mother's name is Dam is Sister Marilyn. So I feel like whatever fantasy that is, is uh, just... <laughs> kind of fits, though, you now know, that you put the two and two team. together. I kind of get it. <laughs> Getting risky exactly. on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't find a horse with more personality to fill that uh, audacious name there. So, you know, Steven, as we call him, in the barn, he's a horse you can't 
miss because one, he's eye-catching, he's 16-2, he has a big body, but he has a really big presence too. So at any given time, you will find him trying to get attention in any way that he can. And if we turn on music, he is the one who's bopping his head, no joke, in this stall. He'll like to flap his lips just to make sounds so that people know that he's there and that he's ready to receive attention at any given time. But he doesn't really do anything bad. He doesn't kick the stall. He's not mean. So we, you know, we're mostly just entertained by all his little nuances. And then when he really needs to focus, he's totally focused for it. Even if you're holding him for the bat or the farrier, he's really quiet. But then you put him under saddle and he actually has a pretty good focus, which when we started him, we weren't exactly sure how it was going to go because sometimes those goofy class clown personalities tend to translate to under saddle. But I was really pleasantly surprised by how he started under saddle with that good focus and a pretty good sense of balance so that trying to get him into that natural carriage was quite easy. He just has a really good sense of it. And because of that, I think this is a horse who is going to be not only great entertainment for his adopter, but also is going to be an eye-catching horse in a ring, or you could equally have him just as a trail and a buddy, and he would do well in either scenario. When I'm watching his video and you're riding him bareback, just like all kinds of I casual. Know. I know. <laughs> like going down the trail. Oh, um, let's just ride him bareback in the arena. And I'm like, I get on my horse bareback and she turns around and looks at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get down. Like that. that's such a nice thing to have. And guys, he's, I mean, a very lofty price at $500. All of those 500. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're getting your real package deal here. And with him, we're, we want to give him a little extra time because we did notice that he was just a little bit short in his strides and had the vet check him out. He has some suspensory desmitis, which is very mild, but we want to really make sure that he is set up for the best possible future he can because, I mean, what a stunning horse. So why would we want to hold him back? But he needs a little bit extra time. And because of that, a, an adopter who is ready and able to give him just that little bit extra time to, to just have R&R is going to benefit from a reduced adoption fee. But then also you can spend all that time, you know, walking around on him bareback if you want or bonding with him on the ground. There's plenty of other things you can do. But there's no reason that he couldn't spend that time bonding with a future adopter. And we think that he is, he's definitely ready to make that connection with somebody and to start being the light of somebody's day, especially in these times, because he is just full of personality. I love it. Well, if you guys want to check out Steven or any of the other great horses at New Vocations, go to horseadoption.com and put in your application. Thank you so much again, Leandra, for coming on the show. And we can't wait to have you on again. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. We're on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com or find me if you just search Facebook for Flyover Farm Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. 
You can email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com or follow me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember, don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and gelds.